We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. More from them later. Uh, my name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, Eric freaking Crocker. I have to ask you this, but how are you feeling, man? <laughs> um, you know, emotions all over the place, man. Um, it's tough. You know, feeling a little defeated, but I guess optimistic. Uh, for what the future may hold. Um, I know we'll get into this game a little bit, but it's, you know, we're, uh, it's tough because you get there and it's like, once you get there, it's like, okay, we got to win. We have this opportunity. And then you see the opportunity you have being up 10 points, about six and a half minutes left. And you kind of trick it off, you know, and that that's the toughest part about it. Outside of that, I mean, just as a whole with the season, um, I'm extremely proud of the 49ers and the direction that they're heading in. But that, I, I think just the way that that whole thing went down, that you, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow. But um, I guess encouraged by what could be, you know, coming. You, you, it looks like a team that's built to kind of last for a little bit. So, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm upset or I'm, you know, I'm kind of hurt with by what happened at the game, but I'm optimistic about the future. Well, Nate, I've had multiple conversations, and, and, I, and I think most people who listen to Striking Gold know this already, but I'm a school teacher. That's, that's what I do for a living, and, you know, and I'm a coach. I coach football and baseball. Uh, so I had, you know, after the, the day after the Super Bowl, I had plenty of people coming up. Oh, what would you think of the game? You know, sorry the Niners lost and, and stuff like that. And, and obviously they don't realize that, you know, 
when you cover the team in the way I have over the past few years, uh, you kind of really, really learned to, to take the fact that you were once a 49ers fan and compartmentalize it because it's, it's no longer a part of your job anymore. Uh, it's just something I had to do if I wanted to be taken seriously. And so obviously to me, I felt like that made it easier to deal with. You know, if, if, if this would have been me, uh, you know, five, five years ago, then I probably would have been pretty wrecked. But since I kind of, you know, had have been in the way I've been covering the team over the past few years, it made it a lot easier to deal with. Um, and to me, something about this loss that made it sting less, I guess you could say, if we're talking from that perspective, is the manner in which the 49ers kind of delivered it to the Chiefs. Now, I'll make no mistake. If you're looking at this from a Chiefs perspective, you would say, oh, well, the Chiefs did what they needed to do to win, and they, and they rose to the occasion, which is 100% true. Um, but there were so many things I saw on the 49ers side of the ball where they were just kind of not begging. That's a bad way to say it. Asking the chiefs, would you like to win this game? Like we would like to give you the opportunity to win the super bowl if you want to. And they did, you know, there were just so many things I wrote down where the 49ers failed on so many levels that slowly led to the way it is. And, 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 you know, if I started to break it down one by one and Crocker interrupt me whenever, or maybe I'll just ask you kind of your reaction to my thoughts, you know, and they'll kind of guide us through the conversation because Crocker and I are basically just going to spend this episode giving you our thoughts on the game, breaking it down. Right. And this is really the first time either of us have talked about this at length. I've, I've fired off a couple tweets and stuff like that, but you know, and I've talked about it with, you know, people that have asked me about it at work and stuff like that. But, to me, the, the thing that sticks out the most is that on every level of the football game, I guess you could say at least in the second half, or it's hard to even say that because the 49ers were doing pretty well all the way through the third quarter, but they started to do things in a way, at least we'll say in the fourth quarter, where it, 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 they did everything they could to give the Chiefs the opportunity. And the way I broke it down is, there was something on every side of the ball or every fat of this team that began to, that was basically substandard. You know, when you look at it from an offensive side, Jimmy Garoppolo played one of the worst quarters of his career with the 49ers in the fourth quarter. And the frustrating part about to me, that is I've watched Jimmy Garoppolo all season. You've heard me talk about him. He's an extremely talented quarterback, easily above average in my opinion. Like that's not even a question. But he played like a below-average quarterback in the fourth quarter. And what irritates me is I've, I've felt like there were so many people throughout the season that were completely wrong on, about him. We've talked about it. Like, they had no idea what they were talking about when it came to Jimmy G. And that fourth quarter gave them all the ammunition they need for an entire offseason. Because he was everything everybody had said he was, even when they were wrong. You know, he, he the, the 49ers, despite the fact that they were running the ball extremely well. They allowed Jimmy Garoppolo. To, now, obviously some of these throws are in the very last moment of the game when that's all they could do. That's all they should do stuff like that. But even when you consider when the game was still well within reach or they were ahead in the fourth quarter, the 49ers still threw. they, they allowed Jimmy Garoppolo to throw 11 times. They only ran the ball four times, despite the fact that that was they, the run game was dominating just in the same way that it had been, throughout the rest of the playoffs. So, you know, from that, from, an, from Jimmy Garoppolo's perspective, he failed from a, and then, you know, I, I included Kyle Shanahan then in that, in that mix because I felt like he got away from something that the 49ers had done extremely well. And if the chiefs, which is running the ball. And if the chiefs had spent the, you know, their two weeks preparing to stop the 49ers run, they couldn't do it whether it was Debo Samuel or Raheem Mostert, both of them had a great game from a running perspective. So it was just, and then, you know, I don't, to me, it just didn't make any sense. You're up 20 to 10. Every opportunity you have to run the ball, you should, especially when it's working that well. Like, it's not like the one thing, I mean, Raheem Mostert throughout the, the course of the game averaged almost five yards of carry. Debo Samuel averaged 17.7 yards a carry. Do you think that might be working a little bit? 
You know, and I don't want to just sit here and bash the game, but this is this is my reaction to the game. When you lose the game, there's going to be some bashing. So I, if you've been listening to me throughout the year, you know I'm not a negative guy. This is just where we are. So the 49ers got away with what they were doing best, and then Jimmy Garoppolo didn't deliver when they were essentially asking him to. And there was so much context to it. There's so many other things. The offensive line wasn't great. Uh, you know, it, there's there's a lot to it. I don't want to just gloss over it and act like Jimmy Garoppolo is bad. Uh, that's it. Let's go. You know, but from an offensive side of the ball, there wasn't much. To, there wasn't much positives in the fourth quarter. There really weren't. Um, you know, from a, a defensive side of the ball, they played a great game for, for three and a half quarters, and then everything kind of fell apart. You know, and when you're giving up a third and 15 and a dude's running wide open, but at the same time, a little bit of the defensive burden can be put on the offense for the moment when in the fourth quarter, when the Chiefs drove about 50 yards and then Patrick Mahomes threw that deflected interception. And then the offense comes out and goes three and out. That to me is when the game was over. And I understand the the 49ers are still up 20 to 10, but I watched the drive. They just drove 50 something yards. It was clear that, and any normal NFL defender is going to be tired at that point of the game. That's just how it works. Um, it was clear that the Chiefs were going to be able to move the ball for the rest of the game. So it was up to the offense, to me, to be able to maintain a little bit of cushion there so that even if the Chiefs did come down and score, it would take too much time. The 49ers would be able to glide out the game. Well, the offense completely fell apart, and it put all the onus on the defense. And at that point, you can blame them for not holding up, but you also it's hard to blame them for not holding up because – they're on the field all the time against one of the most high-powered offenses in the NFL. So, you know, as as much as the defense hold, holds their share of the blame, it was it was it was just tough for them to be put in that situation where the offense just completely stopped functioning. And then I, I even on special teams, the special teams blocking wasn't great, and Richie James kept taking out kicks that were kicked right near the goal line, and he would consistently only get to about like the like 15 to like, no, like 13 to 17 yard line, which is, you know, that's, that's almost a 10 yards difference in some cases. So I don't know if that was coaching or if he was told to do that, you know, and then, you know, Shanahan, my biggest thing going into this game was you're going up against the chiefs, somebody who can put their gas foot all the way down on the pedal and keep it down. Like you need to build up any chance you have to score. You need to take it. And Shanahan kind of just letting the, most of the, the first half clock there at the end kind of coast away. When you have your general manager up in the press box saying, timeout, 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 and you don't take one, like, you know, obviously it's – he's not he, – I'm not the only one that thinks they should have kind of taken it. My, my biggest thing is, like, every opportunity you have to score, the 49ers needed to take it. The Chiefs did not have a, an outstanding defense whatsoever. So any chance you have to score, take it because – Patrick Mahomes is coming. One of the tweets I saw about him today is that he's 5-0. and He was 5-0 and this season when trailing by double digits and 3-0 and in the postseason. Shanahan knew that. Shanahan knew what he was capable of. Keep your foot on the gas and, and do what it takes to score. And that doesn't necessarily mean just throwing. That means because you're running the ball well. That, that To me, running the ball really means that your foot's still on the gas because it's working so well. So well. Um, but yeah, now, now I've ranted. What do you, give me some of your thoughts, Crocker. What do you think, man? Yeah. Um, you can react to some of the things I said, or just throw out your own thoughts. What, you know, what what do you got? Yeah. So I I have a couple thoughts. Um, one, you, you touched on really, you know, the aggressiveness or lack thereof, of, uh, from Kyle Shanahan being a little bit more conservative. Um, there, there were, when he didn't call the timeout at halftime, I, I understood it. Like I, I was saying timeout. I was screaming at TV, timeout, timeout, timeout. When he didn't call the timeout, I understood it from from the perspective of, okay, it's it's tie game, 10-10. Um, you're going to have time. You get the ball back. And, and that was the biggest thing for me at, at that point. If the 49ers weren't getting the ball back after halftime, I w- I'm almost positive they would be like, you know what, let's, let's see if we can get some points here because you don't want – to give the Chiefs any momentum and, and they get the ball after halftime and they score, right? So I, I think that uh, they would have used the timeout and preserved time and tried to go for it if 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 they if the 49ers were not getting the ball back. But but they were. So I I understood. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I like I understood why 
he didn't use the time. Um, I, I think. Can I add something yeah. real quick right there? Yeah, go ahead. The big thing, and, and at the moment when he did it, I even like because there were people I was watching the game with that were, dude, why isn't he taking a timeout? And and in defense of Kyle, which is weird though because he kind of ended up being aggressive anyways and going for points anyways, which was weird because like he, it's like he didn't want to leave time, but also he did want time because he wanted to go for it, and then he didn't end up having enough time, but. The the thing that that I was kind of defending him in that moment was I think Kyle thought he was going to get pinned within like the ten yard line, five to ten yard line, and and right. and it bounced out the end zone. Right, and he got he got um, lucky, and they even stopped it. The dude got into the end zone, was able to deflect it back, and, and messed it up. Like he kind of botched. The- right. so, so think about it like this, right? And probably what's going through his mind: they pin me deep, and they have their timeouts. And and I and I run and I run some plays and and it's, it's almost a I don't want to say a lose lose situation because the outcome can be a score, but if everything doesn't go right and you move the ball and, and you score, or, or you know and you move, like if if things go the opposite way of what you think could possibly happen, the 49ers could have been backed up. Um, the Chiefs had a bunch of timeouts, and three plays later, the 49ers can been punting, giving the Chiefs a minute and 20 seconds would end a short field um, to try to drive and score. And I think at the time, at the pace, the, 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 the way the game was going, it was at a weird point. The 49ers really didn't have the ball much in the first half. They had their first drive where they scored a touchdown. They, I mean, uh, where they kicked a field goal. They had their second drive where Jimmy Garoppolo got hit and, and threw the interception. And I, I saw people, oh, that was a terrible throw. He was – Throwing the ball out of bounds, he was trying to throw the ball away, he got hit. No, he was trying to throw the corner out. No, he was inside the pocket. When you're inside the pocket, you have to throw the ball in the vicinity of a target. So he has to try to get it towards somebody that's in the area and out of bounds. But he got he he shook off the first guy and got hit by the second guy and was trying to throw it away, and he couldn't get enough on it. That, that That's what that was. But that is something weird that happened. So who's to say... The Chiefs are like, you know what? It's right before halftime. They have a, you know, a lot of yards to go. Let's be a little bit more aggressive in our approach. They haven't taken a shot. We don't think they're going to take a deep shot. Let's end the house. And next thing you know, Jimmy G drops back, gets hit, and fumbles. Now you could say, okay, it's a conservative. That's why I say it was more of a conservative approach. But I think at that point, the 49ers were in the uh, driver's seat with getting the ball back. Now, again, you know, some people I've heard people say, well, maybe they don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, I don't know if it's Jimmy G or is it the offensive line? Because it seems like way too often he's he's really close to getting hit. And, we've right, seen him, right. you know, we've seen him uh, fumble in, in the pocket, you know, where, where just, you know, guys um, hit him. We saw him do something very similar to this in the Baltimore Ravens game where he came, you know, right before halftime. He was a little bit more conservative. And again, I, I had said it then. I get it. The, 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 it was rainy at that time. Um, he had already fumbled. Uh, I believe that led to their first touchdown. Um, just all kind of weird things can happen. And I think he wanted to eliminate the weird things that can happen. Let's go into halftime. Let's get refocused. Let's get the ball back. At the end of the day, even after all that, he had a 10-point lead in the game. So who's to say that wasn't the right thing to do, where the game could have completely been flipped if one of those weird things happened? Now, when I, the, when thing I I'll, the thing I'll add too, uh, try not to talk over you, is let's say the 49ers are aggressive in that half. And I'm kind of contradicting myself, but I, in no way any of the things I said earlier am I like super passionate about. They're just my thoughts. I could be, you know, I'm not, I'm not super passionate about how horrible the, the game was for the 49ers. I, you know, I'll, I'm willing to consider anything because it's just how I am. You should be able to. But let's say the 49ers are super aggressive. They score seven points. They go into the half up 17-10, and then let's say the entire second half goes the same. Does that really make sense? No, because maybe some things are played differently if the Chiefs are down. But let's say the entire second half goes the same. The 49ers still lose the game. You know, So as much as I feel like that little moment before the end of the half could have been played differently, would it have changed the entire game? I don't know. I don't – you know, there were, there's – 
definitely some ripple effects to be had there. There was, but the, but that little moment was just one small thing among a, a huge list of problems that we now know occurred after they've lost. So I don't want to feel, I don't, I just don't want to give the impression that I'm basically saying well, I was okay with it then, but now that they've lost, I hate it because I was going back and forth with it then. And you know, would it have changed the game? Who knows, but kind of, maybe it's just more of an, an overall approach, but go ahead, dude, keep going, keep going. Um, the, the other thing, I think the more aggressive coach, I mean, even from that standpoint, it would be for halftime, but there were some things where I was like, man, you, you have an opportunity to be aggressive like Andy Reid was, and and he didn't. And uh, a big play to me was on the 49ers' first drive of the second half where uh, Jimmy G, you know, he I think he had Kittle open over the middle, but he threw the ball to, uh, he threw the slant to Coleman, and it probably was like a clear out, and it just didn't work. <laughs> but um, he hit Coleman, and he was two yards short. And those were time that that was a time. Okay, it's a tie game, and maybe you want to get points and just take the lead. But I thought just with what I saw from the Chiefs with their um, aggressiveness going for it multiple times on fourth and one, I thought that was a time for Shanahan to kind of make a statement to not just his team, but, you know, himself as well. Like, Hey man, like let's, let's and to the chiefs, you know, like, okay, no, we're, we're, we're going for this too. And he kicked the goal. Great. Again, for now, ended up 10 points. It is hard to question anything that happened prior to midway through the fourth quarter, because at the end of the day, after all that stuff, the 49ers were up 20 to 10 with seven minutes left against the Kansas city chiefs. They had 10 points. You know, so it's hard to it's hard to be like overly critical of anything that Kyle Shanahan did, you know, before that or whatever. They had opportunities to close out the game and they didn't. And I didn't think it was so much that it was something wrong. I know everybody like one of my buddies was like, well, how much percent goes to, you know, you know, who, 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 how much percentage goes, you know, of the blame goes to who? And it's hard to say the blame goes to any one person, because I, I just think that ultimately at the, at the end of the day, well, so I didn't think the 49ers played bad. I, I just think down the stretch, they didn't execute as well as they could have, but a lot of it was Chiefs play Chiefs guys making plays and 49ers players not making plays, if that makes sense. It was just like, a you know, a Jimmy G threw a slant over the middle of the George Kittle and the ball gets knocked down by Chris Jones, who's an all-pro. You know, it, it's like, Things like that happened that kind of made it difficult for the Niners to win. You know, Patrick Mahomes drops back 14 yards and, and throws a, a a post corner up to Terry Hill, who turned around Ward. Like, that's tough. Like, at the end of the day, like, they just made these plays. And I, I saw – in I'll talk about that play real quick. I saw a lot of people um, talking about Emmanuel Mosley. He should have been in his deep third. Now, now, this is the way cover three works. All right. Cover three. You know, and they had uh, trips left, all right? I'm reading who can, as a cornerback in cover three, I'm reading who can threaten my third, all right? So I'm looking, and it's really either going to be number one or number two. So uh, number one, that's the furthest, the closest guy to the sideline. Number two is the next clo- closest uh, target to the sideline. So as they push vertical, they're both pushing vertical. I'm reading two to one. Two goes away. It looks like he's running a post. So now my attention goes to uh, number one, who ends up running a dig. And not just a normal dig. Like It's not like it was like a 10- or 12-yard dig. He ran this roughly at about 20 yards. So this is a deep dig route. So at that point, two is going away. So what do I do? These, these are cover three rules. I squeeze one. And that's what I – if you are ever, like, around um, me and how I coach up my DBs, I tell them, hey, read two to one. If two goes if two goes away, you squeeze one. And that's what Mosley did. Two went away, he squeezed one. You don't know that two is gonna run a post corner. The only way that you would have known that is if you would have seen it on film and then your coach tells you, hey, in a situation like this, this is what they like to do. And at that point, then you wouldn't squeeze the dig. Right? So it it, it was it was a better and again, this goes back to me saying, I think the Chiefs, they just, they just, I don't want to use the word executed. They just made plays down the stretch. And that was a great play call by Andy Reid, kind of understanding 
uh, cover three rules if they were going to get that look. We talk about Kyle Shanahan all the time being an offensive genius and being able to put coverage defenders in a bind uh, with their rules, and that's exactly what Andy Reid did. He knew that, hey, at this point, the corners should be squeezing that, and once he does that, uh, you know, attack the safety and come out, and you should be able to get them to spin around. Those are things that, like, if you're an offensive guy, you think about those things. And they got the look that they wanted, and they got what they thought they were going to get, and it just played out that way. Now, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Bosa was held and all that. We, we can't do anything about that. I haven't complained not one time about the refs. I thought there was a lot of BS, but you, you won't see one tweet with me saying, oh, man, the refs screwed the Niners. Like, no, man, like, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You, you can't change that. But the 49ers had opportunities to close out the game, and they didn't. And that's kind of – I think that's what makes me the most upset. Like, if, if 49ers were just outplayed the entire game, that would be one thing. But that wasn't the case. The 49ers really outplayed the Kansas City Chiefs for three and a half quarters. And it came down to the very end, and the 49ers just couldn't execute, and they were too tired, and they couldn't get off the field. And it's unfortunate because it's extremely difficult – to get to the um, Super Bowl, and when you have an opportunity like that, you, you have to make the most of that opportunity, and they just didn't. And, and I think that's tough. And I think games like that lead to Super Bowl hangers. So let's just hope that, that that's not something that happens. Right, and, and we still got a lot to talk about. But before we, we keep on going, um, we're going to get a quick word uh, from one of our sponsors, uh, a new sponsor here to, uh, to Strike and Gold and the Blue Wire Network, which is Bet Online. So, obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably missed your chance to bet on the Chiefs and Niners. If you didn't, more power to you. Hopefully, you won some money. But fear not, Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter what time of year. There's March Madness, Masters, Major League Opening Day right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I signed up. Super easy. And if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. BetOnline is going to directly track who listens to blue wire and who signs up using our promo code so if you are supporters of striking gold uh, with eric and i then please sign up for bet online you will be doing us a big favor because they are what keeps this podcast going again the promo code you're going to use is blue wire all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag bring your best bets home with bet online your online sportsbook experts Okay, back to our Niners. Now, the one thing when you were talking about earlier, one thing you mentioned, Croc, was the fact that the 49ers were, in the end, the 49ers were up 20 to 10 with less than seven minutes left, which is at that point, and if you go back and look at the playlist, the 49ers intercepted Patrick Mahomes with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, up 20 to 10. That, to me, is the moment. And if you've ever seen the series or miniseries Chernobyl, hopefully you have. It's very good if you haven't. Educational, too, because it's based on real events. But on the very last episode, they go back and they break down everything that happened minute by minute that led to, if you don't know what Chernobyl is, it's a Russian nuclear reactor in the 80s that explodes due to a very preventable certain set of circumstances. And in the courtroom, when they're breaking kind of down who's at fault, uh, the main guy is going through minute by minute, what, and almost second by second, what everybody did, what they did wrong, and why, you know, and the effect it had. And you can almost do that after the 49ers intercepted Patrick Mahomes. You can go minute by minute and break it down. But the one thing I was going to say that started this was, Teams that are, and this is this is a stat I got from, I was listening to Kevin Jones, also of the Strike and Gold podcast, our founder of the Strike and Gold podcast, also the founder of the Blue Wire Network, but I was listening to his reaction 
for the from the Super Bowl loss. And I don't know where he dug this up because I haven't seen it, but teams that are leading by 10 or more. No, let's just say teams leading by 10. That's what he said. With less than seven minutes remaining are 164 and two this season. The 49ers Super Bowl loss is one of those. I think the other one is Jacksonville and the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken, when they had that huge meltdown. It was their last game at, at Oakland, I think. But I could be wrong. 164-2, and two, and the 49ers are one of those. That should tell you two things. One, how much of a complete meltdown it was. And it's funny I used the word term meltdown when I just talked about a, a reactor. Um, how much of a complete meltdown that was and how much of a, a feat it was for the Chiefs. Because no matter what I say here, I don't want to take away anything the Chiefs did because they were a fantastic football team with a fantastic head coach. There's been so many pictures and videos of Andy Reid that you just can't, even as a 49ers fan, you cannot help but love because that guy has been in the league a long time. He's universally liked. He's a great person by all accounts. And he's taken some lumps in his life as a coach and as a person. And 20 years into his NFL head coaching career, he was finally able to win the big one. Which, you know, if you are a fan of football, before you're a fan of any team, you should be able to appreciate a story like that. You know, sometimes the good guys win. And, And unfortunately, it had to happen against the 49ers. But, you know... There's obviously some personalities on that team that a lot of people won't care for, uh, for some very real reasons. But when it comes to the Chiefs and Andy Reid, then you have to be happy for him. But just that stat, 164 and two, or whatever I said it was, it just shows you how rare and how unfortunate it is that this all happened. Because the 49ers were uncertainly in the driver's seat. They just the game just got away from them, and like I said earlier, I felt like this game was over after the 49ers. They didn't go three and out. Now that I look at it, but after Tarverius Moore intercepted Patrick Mahomes deflected pass, the very first play was Raheem Mostert for six yards. So to me, that is that's this this next play where, and even though it gained 12 yards, Jimmy Garoppolo hit George Kittle for 12 yards. To me, that's just just right there is is an indication that they're still to me a little too too willing to pass it when they don't need to like you just got 6 yards of carry you're getting at this point the 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 NFL playbook says run or stay aggressive but like i said i can't really complain about gaining 12 yards and then they ran into they ran mostert again and he only gained 1 yard and then at that point you're looking at second and long so most teams would pass Whereas, you know, me, I, I would say just keep running it because the odds are good that you, you'll be able to chunk away at that, you know. But instead, they went to – they passed. Joe Staley was flagged for a false start. Now you're looking at, you know, third and nine – excuse me, an incomplete pass to Debo Samuel. Then you have a false start on Joe Staley. Now you're looking at third and 14. How do you run it there? You know, there's nothing to, to – you can't really fault them for trying to pass on a third and 14. I said, I think it said 19, but it's third and 14. It was third and nine. So, you know, and and then at that point when the 49ers had to punt, I knew that the Chiefs were going to have a very good chance to come down and score because the drive before they'd already put together like 50 yards pretty quickly, move right down and scored. And, and, you know, obviously the, the big, the big swinging play on that one, the big, the pendulum shift was the fact that the Chiefs were facing a, a third and 15. Which, and I think Kevin also dropped a crazy stat. Like, it was almost the same type of stat. The amount of third and 15s that were converted this year is ridiculously low. Like, like I'm talking like the same amount of things. Like, like you know, 50 and 2 or something. That's the amount of like, or, you know, 50 of them didn't convert, 2 did. Something like that. They, there were not a lot of third and longs, especially against the 49ers defense, which has made its money all year stopping big plays. So it was just this crazy snowball that just got out of control. And obviously when Tavarius Moore uh, pi Travis Kelsey, that put him on the goal line, that was that. And again, the 49ers offense comes back out after a Chiefs touchdown. And is, it, Raheem Mostert starts the drive off with five yards. 
again, the average of, of being able to run the ball late in the game is still holding up. Even if you include that one yard run, you're looking at like four yards of carry. And then they decide to go, Jimmy Garopp, they decide to go pass to Kittle, bat it down, pass to Bourne, you're punting again. Like, dude, like, like that to me, that little drive right there, that little, those three play series is just so frustrating to look at. And and I was going back and forth. I, I think I replied twice, so I wouldn't necessarily say back and forth. But somebody on Twitter was saying, well, they were passing it and the Kittle was open and the play was there. It was a good call, but it got batted down. Chiefs made a play. And I was basically just saying like, yeah, that's all, that's all correct, but that's all part of the inherent nature of passing the ball. That's why running the ball is seen as such a sure solution to secure a lead and finish a game is because one, it usually gains yards, might not be a lot. In this, in the 49ers case, they were gaining a lot of yards on the ground, a lot. It usually gains yards and it keeps the clock going. No matter what, if, let's say you don't even gain yards, the clock is going to continue to run. The moment Chris Jones batted down that pass, boom, another timeout for the Chiefs. And, it, it, you know, it just spiraled out of control. They went, not only did they go three and out, but they two out of the three plays on that drive were passes. So those are just free timeouts for the Chiefs. Going to stop the clock. Let's, we'll stop the clock for you. And, like, every single one of those Debo Samuel end arounds gained, like, what, like 16, 17 yards? Maybe even more? I and think they, even more they, than, that. <laughs> even and, than and, that. And I know why they were doing it, because the, the Chiefs were stacking the box. And they were worried about the run, and Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan was like, okay, well, we're going to run outside the box. We'll see how you do. And the Chiefs had no answer for it. And they just went away from it. Like, you know, it's, it's again, it's so easy to go back into a game and figure out the reasons why they lost. You know, that it's, it's hindsight 2020, all that stuff. We can easily go back and look at what did they do wrong. But, you know, it's just the way it is. And that was it. You know, obviously you, you can, you can say the defense once, you know, weren't holding up on their side of the deal, but dude, we're late in the fourth quarter. The chiefs passed 40 something times. Like the defense had held its own. They had held the Kansas city chiefs to 10 points through three and a half quarters. What more can you ask them to do? But when the offense goes out there and puts together three play, four play drives, what are you asking a defense to do? What do you expect them to do? You're going to go here, here. You know, I knew you were just out there, but please go cover this guy that runs a four, two again. You know, it's, it's just, it was it to me, some of, I understand that, that the chiefs were able to put together a lot of points here, but if you're trying to place blame, the defense is the last place you should look because they had held the Kansas city chiefs to 10 points through three and a half quarters. And the offense gave them no breaks. None, period. You know, it's just, it's tough. It's a tough game. But, you know, and, and to your point earlier, Croc, you were talking about Emmanuel Mosley's play. Like, you're talking about a, a, a play caller like Andy Reid, who's right up there with Kyle Shanahan, and he's running a cover three beater. It's made to create mistakes. or And it's not even creating mistakes. It's made to just beat that coverage. Everybody could do their job perfectly, and Tyreek Hill is still where he is. Could Jimmy Ward have played that a little bit better, and rather than turn and try and run with the post, he could have kind of stayed flat that we could have gone over? Sure, but everybody, for the most part, was doing their job on that play, and that play still happened because their plays designed to beat that coverage. If their plays that basically, like Crocker said, if everybody follows their rules and does their job, this guy should still be open. And you can't change that. The only way you, you make a play on that is if, like you said, is there's film study, there's somebody recognizing that they, they run this play in a certain situation on a certain down and distance with a certain alignment, with a certain player in a certain spot, and then you make a play. But there's a very good chance that the, the Chiefs had not run that play before. And if they had, they probably ran that route concept, but they probably moved players around to where the focus of the defense was shifted subtle ways in another. It's just there's such an art form to play calling and play design that that kind of just gets glossed over for the sake of just wanting to blame somebody. Sometimes plays are just that well designed. If anything, 49ers fans should know that 
because Kyle Shanahan does it to other people, excuse me, all the time. You know what I mean? It's just something, some things sometimes are inevitable. That's 100% correct. And and it's kind of hard for some people to understand if you don't really understand like how coverage rules work. And, And that was one of the main things that Kyle Shanahan like touched on early, right? When he was talking about manipulating his own defense in training camp, like it, it was a conversation he had with the media a couple years ago and everybody loved it, right? Everybody loved hearing that, how he knew like, yeah, if I do this and I have this guy sit here, I know this guy because of his rules has to come here. And then this guy is going to do this and it's going to be open. Like he, and people love hearing that, but yeah, that kind of stuff happens against the 49ers as well. Right. We knew Andy Reid's good uh, schemer, play caller, all of that. And it was a really good play call against the coverage where he was like, hey, let's see if we'll get that look. If they didn't, if they got a too high look, they had a guy screaming up the middle of the field. So it was a coverage that was that could attack multiple coverages by the 49ers. Um, But I think ultimately what they wanted was the deep shot by Tyreek Hill. And when they got the single high, they got they got that look. The, and the big thing, and I, and I have a feeling you and I are probably going to be able to talk about this for the rest of, of the time. But to me, the biggest, the, the worst thing that I'm seeing right now are just the people flying off the rails, whether it's media, fans, analysts, you know, people on TV, people that are supposed to be, obviously they have to say what they have to say to get people to watch, to get people to retweet, whatever. But chill on the freaking hot takes. No, Shanahan should not be fired. No, Garoppolo should not be cut. Is that really being said? Oh, yeah. And I, and I don't want to give too much of a, a stage to people that don't deserve stages, people that that say things anonymously behind a keyboard with where they don't even have their own picture as their profile picture. You know that they're in a position where they don't want people to know who's truly behind that screen. And, but – Guys, just and I was talking about this with Crocker just before we hit record, and, and this is not some like crazy thing, but I was talking. I mentioned to Crocker, I was like, "Dude, think about it this way: when before the Shan- when Shanahan left the Falcons, he was coming off a Super Bowl loss. He had just been in the Super Bowl. The first year he was with the 49ers, no one in their right mind would expect that team to go far. They were completely rebuilding a roster. Brian Hoyer was their starting quarterback." Shanahan was just literally taking some pieces, some of them like Hoyer, just plugging in so they could make a little bit of movement forward. And then in the second year, after they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, he tears his ACL. You're not going to the Super Bowl that year. Just not feasible unless you have a backup quarterback that is somehow incredible. Uh, you know, like like we've seen a couple times in the history of the league. But so you're not really going to the Super Bowl that easier. So it in. Kyle Shanahan's been to the Super Bowl two out of four years, and the two years where he didn't go to the Super Bowl, there were super reasonable reasons as to why he did not go. So you're talking about a guy that that really knows how to put his team in a position to win once things just go, you know, even slightly in his way. And you're talking about a guy that has created one of the most harmonious locker rooms we've seen from the 49ers in even before Harbaugh. I think the 49ers now have a better locker room than they had when they were under Harbaugh. Obviously, they were a very talented team then. They went very far. They went to the Super Bowl as well. But you have to be in this locker room, and, and you don't necessarily have to even be in the locker room. You just have to listen, look, look at the interviews, and look at how these guys talk about each other and how they treat each other to know what Shanahan and John Lynch have created. You have one of the best play callers this league has, has, has ever seen. and. You know, yes, he's he's a young coach. He's a he's he's in year three of being a head coach. He's got a lot to learn, including play, you know, clock management, including what plays to call at what time and stuff like that. But one of the best ways I saw it put today on Twitter was if they had a head coach draft and all the head coaches became free agents, Kyle Shanahan probably wouldn't pat, last past like pick number five because he's a really, really good head coach. And sometimes things just don't go your way. Sometimes you make mistakes. You can, you can acknowledge that Kyle Shanahan messed up. 
needs to improve in this, needs to improve in that, and not stoop all the way to the 49ers to start looking up, go, look elsewhere. And the same thing goes for Garoppolo. Matt Ryan's first season under first full season under Kyle Shanahan's offense was decent, and then he won NFL MVP the next yeah, year. But it, it, remember too, and if oh my goodness, could you imagine if Jimmy Garoppolo did this? That Falcons team that first year that Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator started five and zero and missed the playoffs. Remember they lost a ton of games down the stretch. Could you imagine if something like that happened with Jimmy Garoppolo? and what people would be saying. But the Falcons were never going to give up on Matt Ryan. And then what happened? The next year, he's the MVP, and they're in the Super Bowl. You know? I I, I haven't – I literally have not watched – I haven't listened to not one KMBR uh, – like one of KMBR. I haven't listened to any of the pods. Um, I haven't listened to any 49ers pods. I haven't listened to – I haven't watched any – uh, first take, undisputed, like any debate shows. Like I haven't watched, I literally have not watched any of it. So I don't know what people are saying, but I have seen like certain headlines where it's kind of like, like are, are people serious? But I didn't know that that's something that's being said like around, you know, like on national television. The moving away from or, or looking beyond Garoppolo is a lot more prevalent than the fire Shanahan. I've seen some fire Shanahan's. I'm not making that stuff up, but the looking elsewhere outside of Garoppolo is something that now, now given the 49ers have set themselves up with a contract for Garoppolo where after this year, this next season, they could look elsewhere. But to me, you're completely ignoring the fact that this was Jimmy Garoppolo's first full season as a starter. And he went to the Super Bowl. And he won some 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 you know knockout fights in between where it was on him. Sure, he did not have his greatest fourth quarter in what happened to be the most important game of the season. But if that's all it takes to get you to discount his entire body of work for the rest of the season, where he's been really good, I don't know. Like I don't know what to tell you. Because yes. You know, that is a moment that he is going to learn from more than anybody else. And if you watch um, or if you go into my Twitter and you look a few tweets down, um, I quoted one of Brian Baldinger's videos where he kind of broke down like five or six plays. uh, And I believe they were all in that fourth quarter, but I could be wrong, where Jimmy Garoppolo was just missing some very. They were on him. He was either missing a throw or he was missing a very obvious read. You know, and and he's gonna have to endure. You know, a lot of that has to do. A lot of that has to do with um, not fully having a grasp of the offense. Right. The, this, this what the worst thing to happen for Jimmy Garoppolo was the 49ers be as good as they are, because he, from a mental standpoint, wasn't really ready to take full advantage of the offense and be able to orchestrate it how. I think how Kyle Shanahan saw it in his head, at least from a passing standpoint, that was something that he was going to have to grow with throughout the year and really take control of it in years to come. But the 49ers are good. So it sped up that entire process. And I, I think it kind of highlighted, hey, there are areas that where he needs to improve. But instead instead of that being the, the conversation, it's not, he's just not the guy. And it's like, dude, that that's that's really that's really ridiculous. Um, he he needs to be become more comfortable and truly understand exactly where guys are. Okay, so right now, from what I see, he is a. It's Kyle Shanahan makes reads. He 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 gives Garoppolo defined reads, and within the defined reads, Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of making all of those throws that are needed. Jimmy Garoppolo right now does not know how to take this offense to the next level. He's not he's not there yet in his development under the system. And I think that's what people want to see and they want to see that. They want to see like the confidence of that. But he's just not there yet. So sometimes, yeah, you'll see him force throws because he's looking for the fine read. Sometimes you'll see him, um, 
you know, not really see a defender because probably a lot of times he's thinking more about what he has to do from an offensive standpoint and not so much um, getting to, hey, what, what am I reading with the defense? He has an idea. He's an NFL quarterback. But I think as far as fully having a grasp, right, when you look at, uh, you know, a Drew Brees, uh, Tom Brady, those, those are extreme, you know, circumstances of this, but those guys are system quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, those guys are system quarterbacks. They 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 play very well within the confines of the system and what it asks them to do. And which and, is a perfectly normal thing to say about a quarterback, by the way. There people, are, people act like that's an insult, and that's not how you were using it, but no, people act like, oh, he's a system quarterback. So is every good quarterback. They're in a system that works really well with them. Right. There are there are a few freaks that can probably play in any type of scheme, right? So there's like, a, you know, a, a Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, you know, while he's playing. Um, there are a few guys who can play like, you know, at an elite level in any scheme. But for most guys, you have to play within something where somebody knows how to highlight your skill set. And Drew Brees got with Sean Payton, and Sean Payton knew how to put an entire offense around Drew Brees that would make him excel and be one of the purest passers in the league. But if you really look at Drew Brees, what is he doing different than Jimmy Garoppolo other than mastering the game plan? He's making a lot of the same type of throws, right? Like really dink and dunk, short things, really understanding. Like I can go to Michael Thomas 190 times a year, right? And he's going to be here and I'm just going to throw it to this spot. And everything that we do is within 10 yards. Like that That's their offense and he understands it and he has it down to a T. That's what makes Drew Brees really good. Same with Tom Brady, right? He, you know, the Edelman and, you know, those type of receivers that he's gotten really good. They, they truly understand, you know, he, they truly understand what is asked of them other offenses and how to execute that. But that's not something that happened overnight. Even if you go back to Tom Brady's first Super Bowl, he threw for 140 yards and won. Like, I don't even, like, they maybe scored like 13 points. Like, those things happen. Like, it takes time. It takes time. And I think people, they want, they want to rush Garoppolo to, to be like this great guy. Oh, no, he has to be great or, or it's a flop and move on. And it's like, bro, what? Like, does he need to improve? Yes. But this this year, I don't think anybody, I didn't expect him to be great. I, I expected, hey, if Garoppolo plays a full 16 years, the 49ers should make the playoffs. That's, that's what I expected. And they did. Now, everything else was an extra. And I think just because of how good the 49ers were, it kind of overshadowed the fact that th- this guy is young in his maturation as a, as a starting NFL quarterback in a fairly new system that he still has to learn how to play within. Next year, you should see him take a step forward. The, the year after that, you should see him take another step. And he's still not going to be – I mean, he'll be 30 years old after a couple years, after two more years. He'll be 30 years old. That's still young in quarterback years. So he's he's fine. Cutting him, moving on from him, like those things are ridiculous because everything that we've wanted to see from him, we have seen it. It's the consistency of it and expanding on the offense that we would like to see more of. And he's just not there yet within this game, but if you give him time, he can get there. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is great. If you ask me, I, I, I've said it on here. I'm pretty sure I've said it. You know, I've talked to me. He doesn't have an elite talent, but he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the most athletic person, but he can make enough throws. I think he's really tough. I think he's fearless. I think he's, he's accurate when he knows what he's seeing. I think he's not accurate when he doesn't know what he's seeing. But when he knows what he's seeing, he has the ability to make all the throws. I, he's he's fine. He 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 can. He's definitely to me. He's a top ten quarterback. Will he ever be top five? Maybe from a statistical standpoint, but from a skill set standpoint, no. But I don't think you need him to be top five. You just need him to be able to run this offense at an elite level. And I think each year that goes on, he will be able to run it better. To move on from him. To say, do better. Do better with who? How? You can't do it this year. 49ers don't even have any draft picks. <laughs> like they have a first-round draft you, you pick. You're going to do it with pick number 31? Yeah, you're not going to take a quarterback there to replace him. Or you're going to go get somebody in free agency? Who? Uh, goddamn 
uh, what's his name? Jameis Winston? Marcus Mariota? Like, no. Uh-huh. You, you can't replace him. You, so you just, hey, 49ers went to the Super Bowl with him. Hey, let's let's improve on this. Let's get a little bit better. Let's let's get better at this and and understanding the offense a little bit more. He needed this year. We just weren't supposed to be this good. All right, and, and that's that's all really super well said and passionately said. So I think that's a good place to end it. The only thing that I will say is, and this is one hundred percent to Crocker's point, is there are so many phases of learning Kyle Shanahan's offense and being a successful NFL quarterback where. Let's say in year one, you're learning the scheme. You're out there playing in the game. And this was when, when Jimmy Garoppolo first showed up. And this was with how much time he had in the system. It was even going into year two and even into this year. He's still learning the system. First, got to learn the system. And then you got to start executing it consistently where you know what you're supposed to do on the play and you do it. And then there's becoming comfortable within a system where you pretty much know what's supposed to happen every play. You kind of know how the defense is going to react to it. And you know kind of almost where you should go with the ball every single play because you're so comfortable with the system that you just know how it's going to affect the defense. And then even further beyond that, there's becoming confident, comfortable and confident. And, you know, you basically become a subject matter expert within that system. That's where Drew Brees is. That's where Tom Brady is. That's where these elite quarterbacks are. That's where Aaron Rodgers was. And obviously he's got a new system now and, and he's still playing decent, but he will get there and, and stuff like that. To, to me, I just don't think that patience is the last thing you want to lack when it comes to finding a quarterback. There's so many steps to this process where somebody has to become comfortable and confident in the system in order for them to ever have a chance of being what you want them to be. And like Crocker said, I feel like the 49ers as a whole were ahead of schedule this year. Nobody thought they were going to go as far as they did. They did, though, which is awesome. It shows that this team's a lot better than maybe we even think they are still. Just give it time. And don't allow yourself to fall into these traps of overreacting so dramatically that it just doesn't make sense. And it's just not how the world works. It's not how the game works. It's just... Like Crocker said, who who are you going to go with? Are you going to go chasing after somebody that's not available? Are you going to go trying to you know swing like crazy for these these options that aren't available to you in the draft when you have a good one already in the house that's shown he can win, that's shown he can make all of Shanahan's throws. He just had one bad quarter. Like, and I'm not saying uh, I'm I'm not giving him a pass for the game or for no, that's clear for for because really for most of the game, what was he like? Heading into the fourth quarter, uh, 18 to 22, I think he was playing well within what Kyle Shanahan was asking him to do. Um, I am saying I would not give up on him. That that That's what I'm trying to highlight here. I'm not saying he he's great. I'm not saying he's a great quarterback. I'm not saying that he's irreplaceable, um, even though I think it would be difficult to replace him at this point. But I, I am saying just give it, give it some time. That, that's all I'm saying, like – you know, with the whole release him and he can't do this or he can't do that. Like, man, we don't know what he can do. Well, well, we know that he can perform at a high level. We've all seen it several times. Now it's just taking that next step. All right. I think that's a fairly solid reaction episode to the Super Bowl. I don't think either of us had any crazy hot takes. Just some reactions. And hopefully ending it on a little bit of positivity that just stay in it, folks. Stay in it for the long haul. I, I feel like this team will will be even better next year. And that may or may not result in going just as far. But I feel like the team has what it takes to keep winning. And we're going to break that down. Probably, you know, on our next time, me and Crocker are on here, we'll probably break down where the team is right now and where they're going to go moving forward and how they get better and, you know, kind of what we see them accomplishing next season, stuff like that. And, and it's all going to go down. Um, as always, I greatly appreciate you guys for being here listening to us. It's been one hell of a season. You know, and I got while I'm on here, I got to say thank you to you too, Crocker, because you've been an outstanding running mate, an outstanding partner in crime. You know, what turned out 
what started as some like random invitation to do a podcast has developed into like a friendship. And I mean, I appreciate you for, for all of your time and your effort and your emotion. And, and I feel like you and I compliment each other pretty well. So, you know, I, I definitely wanted to say that after this, because this kind of officially wraps up our first season together doing our thing. So right. I appreciate you, man. And, um, like I said, I appreciate all you guys that are tuning in and keep tuning in, leave us a, you know, whatever you, whatever you do out there in reaction to podcasts, like comment, subscribe, uh, rate review, all that good stuff. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at Rob underscore louder L O W D E R. And you can have, you can have Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker. Again, you're listening to striking gold podcast. Thanks for being here. And, uh, this is, uh, Rob and Eric signing out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.